Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names and vocabulary lessons. Jillian, what's a towhead? A towhead, uh, according to UrbanDictionary.com, the number one authority of all things, uh, in colonial times, families grew their own flax to make into fabric for clothing. Uh, transforming the flax was a complicated process uh, called towing. Um, and during towing, they would separate the long, thin fibers from the shorter, coarser ones. Um, and the shorter fibers were not as high quality, uh, so they wouldn't use them. Uh, but they were very, very light blonde colors. So if someone called you a towhead, it meant you were very blonde. And the ultimate example is Draco Malfoy. Wonderful. So that came up in our conversation and this episode with Angie Schwerer. I forgot to introduce myself. So I am your host, Alan Seals. I'm your producer, Jillian Hockman. <laughs> yes, we talked about uh, Toeheads from Kentucky with Angie Schwerer. I was fascinated with this in this conversation with her because uh, she is now in the prom on Broadway. Of course, part of our May takeover here is all people from the prom. And... The character was literally written basically as her. Like the character is even named Angie. And as Casey Nicola was was kind of crafting the whole thing with the writers, um, they were like, yeah, we need the Angie Schwarer type, the Angie Schwarer type. And then they were like, why don't we just get Angie? And so she came in and this character is just is an exaggerated version of her, but her character is is like is an actress in the show who was in Chicago for the, the pr- production of Chicago for over 20 years and has never gotten to play Roxy Hart. And we got into that, like the, parale- the parallels in her own life, because she's got this 28-year career on Broadway where she's just gone from like showgirl part to showgirl to showgirl to chorus girl to ensemble. And mm-hmm. then this is her first leading role, like front and center sort of thing. Well, it's her first role that she originated. Yes, yes, that she originated. But I love that she she talks about at one point, they, they came up with these characters and they were developing them. And in in one form they sent out with all the characters and the descriptions of them, it just said, Angie, think of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it kind of proof to the fact that you can have a long, successful Broadway career without ever, you know, I put in air quotes, being a star. Yeah. Like she's talented and she can sing and she can dance and she can act. And I, from the outside, I feel like she keeps getting called in for the same type of roles because that's how people see her. And then over time of, you know, 28 years of being called in for the same type of role, then that's kind of what she's convinced herself all, that all she can do. And I, and you, you told me off mic that you thought I was getting a little preachy, um, which I was I was trying to get her to kind of see that I think she's bigger than what she's allowing herself to be, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I think if she's happy with what she's doing, then right on. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think she's doing anything wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I just, I, 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 as a supporter of, of her and supporter of the show and supporter of like the talent that I, that I see on stage a lot. I think that she is just as capable of doing anything that, Mm. that she would want to, that she, but somebody would offer her. But I think that's something you always want talented people 
to, to do more and do better. Like you always want your friends, you always see more for your friends and for people you care about than they see for themselves. So maybe we love you, Angie. Yeah. Well, okay. I can see that. Everybody, please enjoy this episode with Angie Schwarer. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here you go. One, two, three. A 28-year veteran on the Broadway stage, this true-life gypsy has been part of original casts in 9 out of 11 of her Broadway credits, which include Will Rogers' Follies, Annie Get Your Gun, Young Frankenstein, Catch Me If You Can, Something Rotten, and The Producers, and now starring as Angie in The Prom, Angie Schwarer. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hi, Theater Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Tell me about, um, tell me about young Angie. Where did, where did, where did it all begin? Oh, young Angie was a little towhead that grew up in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. What's a towhead? Oh, uh, it's like when your hair is really, really blonde. Never heard that term? No. Towhead? No. It's like my hair, my hair was naturally <laughs> really, really blonde. <laughs> no one's heard that term before. You guys are too young. Oh God. Too young. Anyway, little blonde, little blonde girl. Um, and I started with dance at about five years old and acro. So I never really was on my feet. I was always twirling and upside down and round off back hands, bringing down the hallway to greet people in my house. And uh, yeah, I was a, a, gym, a gymnast too for a while, but I just always danced. I think from you know, I said five, but my dance teacher's daughter started teaching me at four in another studio. So I've been dancing since I was four years old. That's crazy. And at 105 years old, that means I've been dancing for 101 years. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And so I just started out as a dancer. and, And I think that that's just been my thing from day one. That's what my passion that's where my passion lies. Now, because I am a little older, it's it's a little harder, but it's still just who I am and what I do and what I love to do. Do you have any siblings? I have four brothers and a sister. So one of six. Yeah, so I'm the fifth one. So they all had to drive me to dance school. <laughs> Are you the only one that danced? Oh, no, my sister did, which is, she's nine years older than me. So I went to watch her, which is also how I got hooked. She took a real career and was a uh, pediatrics nurse. So she did something important. <laughs> Wait, okay. So you, A, you have a real career. I know. And I'm B, just kidding. you are important. So don't I know what we do is important, but somehow, you know, taking care of uh, newborn babies in the ICU unit seems a little more important than what I do. Okay, fair enough. Uh, My sissy. And so... Where did you say, where did you grow up? Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's right across the river from Cincinnati. So Cincinnati was my big metropolis growing up. And um, I did some modeling there and I did all kinds of things as a kid, teenager. As a towhead. As a towhead. (laughs) I'm going to start calling everybody. Is that, can you only call kids towheads or can anybody be a towhead? Are you a towhead now? Um, 
No, I think you really just call kids that are naturally toeheads. I will. Let's Google it. Can we Google it? Wait, is that is that offensive? Like, no, can, I don't think can so. You, can you still say ginger? Am I allowed to say? Oh that? yeah. Ginger? Oh yeah. So like, ginger is a redhead and toehead yeah. is a blonde. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I um yeah. So I I danced my whole life. Um, and um, yeah, Cincinnati was where I did some things. I did some little commercials and things growing up. But basically, um, before I went to college, I I was a, a dancer and did my recitals and things like that. I didn't do any book shows, is my point. Mm-hmm. Except in high school, I did play the bird, the griffin in Alice in Wonderland. I had two <laughs> lines. I don't remember what they are, but I remember I wore a onesie with some talons on my hands. <laughs> and that was it. That was my my book show and then where did, where did you go to school? To I college? went. I went to N- Northern Kentucky University. Um, it's a small college in um, Crescent Spring. I can't remember the town now. Isn't that awful? That's awful. Um, we'll have to Google that too. Uh, Northern <laughs> Kentucky University, and um, I went. I got my BFA, but I actually um, the, the the theater. It was just sort of starting to grow. So I felt like I would be a bigger fish in a small pond as opposed to trying to get into CCM. I just don't, I think I was such a late bloomer. I didn't really think I was good enough. Mm -hmm. So I just went to Northern Kentucky University. I got a little dance scholarship and I started doing more book shows. I think my first role I did, and maybe my only role, because I might have done more dance stuff, was uh, Lois Lane and Kiss Me Kate. Oh, and funny. that was in college. And then I did the theme park route mm. on, in my summers. You were at Bush Gardens. I went Williamsburg, Virginia, Bush Gardens. Me too. You did. I did. Okay, well, you probably weren't there when I was there because no. I'm older than you. But no. I did uh, the German show was my very first show. Yeah, with the little braids and, and the, the German dress and the dirndl. I think that's what you call German dress. Yep. Then I, the next summer, I did Journey into Music, which was the indoor show. Come with us now, our journey's starting. Step, pivot, step, step. I remember. <laughs> I remember the beginning. Um, and then I worked at Disney uh, for a few years and was a showgirl in Atlantic City. I was a showgirl in Japan. I went back to Disney and opened up MGM Studios. And through someone I worked with at Disney, I got my first Broadway show. What is that story? So that's that's where you say you got to be kind to everybody because you never oh, know. Yeah. Um, his name is DJ Salisbury, and he was my partner at the Diamond Horseshoe at Disney. And he was working on the Will Rogers Follies with Tommy Toon and Jeff Calhoun. And he called me on the landline at the entertainment office at Disney. You don't even know what a landline is, do you? I'm 38. I Yes, I know what a landline <laughs> and is. And I got the little pink slip from someone at the office and said, DJ wants you to call him. So I called him and he said, I think you should come up and audition for this show. One of the prerequisites was to be over 5'8". I'm almost 5'11". Mm-hmm. And so I did. I flew up and auditioned. Not without sending a VHS tape ahead of time because I thought if they don't like what I look like, I'm not going to spend the money to fly up. Right. Who did I think I was at 24, whatever I was, 24, 25? Um, so I did. I spliced together a VHS tape of all the things I was doing on property. And um, I did like spotting walkovers at the Diamond Horseshoe and the Can Can number. So I did all spliced together and they said, sure, come on up. So I did. And I auditioned on the Nederlander stage 
on 41st Street uh, on the lunch break of their workshop they were doing. Back then, you did the workshops in the theater. Yeah. We went to the palace to open the show, but they rehearsed at the Nederlander because the whole stage is is stairs. Yeah. So they needed to have a space. You know, you couldn't do it in a studio. So I auditioned on the lunch break and then come to find out that all of my now friends are sitting in the audience watching me audition on their lunch break. Jerry Mitchell, Katie Huffman, Troy Johnson, and Atel and others. <laughs> and lots of others. And um, I think if I would have known that, God, I would have been so nervous. Even more nervous than I probably already was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was, was it Nancy Opal was telling us like, yeah, back in the day, uh, you wish to audition on the stage. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually, there was only one other time I think I auditioned on stage. It was something I didn't get, and I don't remember what it was. Goodbye, girl, or something? Mm, something I didn't get, but I auditioned on the stage. What did you know uh, that, you, that you wanted to make performing a career? God, I, I, wish I, I wish I was that person that was like, I just knew, you know, from the beginning. I literally, it was just a series of events that I just kept jumping to that got me here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept, just kept saying yes. Do you know what I mean? Like Bush Gardens, who would have thought that that would have got me here? You know, I, did you, do you know in, uh, in Columbus, I think it is, there's a theme park called Kings Island. Mm-hmm. I auditioned several times and never got it. And I was just devastated because I wanted to work in, you know, my home, sort of near my hometown. I never got it. But I got Bush Gardens and I got, you know what I mean? So I just took what came to me. Mm-hmm. And then working at Disney, um, I was just going to stay there. I was going to stay there and work for the, the mouse because it was a great corporation. I was making great money for that time. Right. And Were you equity at that point? No, they didn't have it then. Um, but I made money and I did every di- all the different shows on, on the, uh, I was going to say the campus, on Property. Word? On the property. Thank you. Um, convention shows. I worked at Hollywood. Hollywood was the Disney. We were the Disney girl show in the Hollywood uh, Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the Dick Tracy show. And I was the dance captain. So I ran. I was running the shows, you know. And um, I loved it. And I was making money. I remember the Dick Tracy show. I used to I, go to Disney a lot. Okay. So I didn't. I, I was a like a sub and that's mm-hmm. why I learned all the shows on property and I was making money. I put a down payment on a house. I was going to live there. And, um, when I got the Broadway, <laughs> I, uh, pulled my deposit, and moved on up. Oh, so the timing was exactly, it lined up exactly. Like yeah. The but although, down, but, you know, yeah. it was in Lake Buena Vista. So I might've, you know, made some money if I did, I did have the house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but it, it was meant to be the way it was meant to be because I knew, I knew so many people that live, had moved to New York that were 20,000 times more talented than me and weren't booking a lot of stuff. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I'm going to move there. You know, I, so it was just the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. I guess. And that being the right type. You know, because at that time, that's when, you know, the years that I've worked up until now were showgirls. You know, you were the, they wanted the showgirls, the stro girls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so what, what year did you move up to New York? What was that? 1991. And I know you're doing the math right now. No, so, so what I was getting at was that you were in the original cast of Follies in 91. Mm-hmm. 
So you moved up here for I moved up fathers? here. Feb- I moved up here February 8th, 1991. I started rehearsals on February 9th, 1991. That's crazy. So I moved to a brand new city, started a brand new job, had to learn how to do the subway and all of those things. And I was a swing, which means I covered, I did I covered all the ladies in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Well, mainly the six tall. I, I can't remember if there were twelve or fourteen of us, but mainly the the this the six, six taller, mm-hmm. the six tallest girls. But I ended up going on for almost all of them, but one. Hmm. So yeah, that was ninety one. And okay, so you had one day between moving and starting, yeah. and uh, obviously New York and Times. Square. I had a friend here that I moved in with while I was started rehearsal, and then I moved in with another friend. So I didn't. I just brought clothes. Well, basically, did, did you like? Did you think that your career was just kind of going to get laid out in front of you at that point? Because you didn't have. You had like twenty four hours of not having a job in New York City, which is very, very rare for anybody who really, you know. Um, wants I don't. To make it. I don't think I. I don't think I know. Obviously, how much I know now about how a show can open and not stay open. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, like I said, I just sort of took what was coming. And then I stayed in the Will Rogers Follies, not the whole time, but for about two years, I think. Um, and I auditioned for Stro and got Crazy For You, the first national tour on stage because I wanted to be on stage. I was a swing in Will Rogers. And so I took that. Mm-hmm. And then basically I wouldn't leave a job a, unless the show closed, or two, unless I got another one. Right. So that's kind of the way I was working it out back yeah. in the day. Yeah, you you went from show to show, and then you actually, I think you returned to Chicago. Do I have that right? Yeah, you. I yeah. did the first, I opened the first national tour of Chicago and did that for a couple years. Um, and then I, I did it here for only a replacement time for maybe about four months. I did Mona. I was go to Hell Kitty and covered Roxy on the tour, and then I did Mona here for about four months. Wow. Okay. So when, um, did you ever take any formal acting training? And like, when did the singing and the acting start getting uh, pulled I into I still the- need singing lessons. <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, I, they told me I had to speak and sing when I got to college. So I kind of started then, I guess. That's when I, we took acting classes and voice lessons. And, you know, I still mm. try to every once in a while, you know. Um, but I think that's where, and I think because I didn't learn that at an earlier age, I think it was a little bit of a detriment for me because Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I still don't have, let's be, let's be clear. I didn't have, you know, that, the, the, the confidence and the thing of like, I am an actress and a singer too, you know, coming from a dance background, you're just never good enough. It's just what we dancers do to ourselves. You're just never good enough. So in a, does in a weird way, well, I think dancers are harder on themselves, but, you know, I think that's where the determination and the scrappiness sort of comes from, right? Yeah. Um, so that's probably not till college. Now, my mother was a singer, not professionally, but she could sing. And so we would, we would try to sing together, but then she'd do a harmony and then I'd just go sing with her the harmony. I didn't know how to keep the melody <laughs> with her. <laughs> so I, we did come from a sort of musical family. My dad was a drummer. He was a doctor, but he was a drummer. So I guess I got my rhythm and my, my rhythm is my vocals from somebody in their family. And my zazz. Yeah. Um, you also assistant choreographed Rocky Horror. I did. Jerry Mitchell asked me, this was 
when I had a little time off between a few shows, it was probably between Annie Get Your Gun and the producers, maybe. I had a little time. I'm not sure if that's correct. Is that correct? Might I don't be. have the timeline. Um, sure. We'll go with yes. And he said, he said, I always wanted to ask you to assist me. So he did. He took me to lunch and asked me to assist him on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's the one and only time I ever have. He never asked me again. I like to give him crap about it. <laughs> do you wish Do you wish you could do more chore- choreographing? Or like, do you want to get into the teaching I stuff? don't know. I don't know what the, what the next phase is. I'm not sure. There was a time where I thought it would be more of maybe an agent or a casting director. Um, and then a couple years ago, with my friend Troy Johnson, who I mentioned, he directed and I choreographed a show at a college, a brand new show. And we had a ball. And I realized, I mean, it was, you know, it was uh, college kids and, and it was not like big, splashy musical numbers. You know, it was stagey kind of fun stuff. But we just, we both had a blast and I loved doing it. And there was something sort of great about the opening, not their opening night where it was like, I was done. You know, now opening night is our jittery time. Like, oh God, oh God. So there was something sort of great about it and something very fulfilling when you'd finish a number and the ideas would sort of flow. And I don't know, I guess there's creativity with just living it for all these years. Mm -hmm. For instance, in Something Rotten, um, in the opening number, let's say Casey Nicholas says, and you're going to go from here up on the box over here, blah, blah, blah. And then we, you sort of fill in what, what the moves is, what's the, what the moves are to the music. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, we are all sort of doing it, right? Now, do I think I could choreograph a big, splashy musical number? Not a chance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do love that creative part too. So maybe that would be the thing. Maybe I'll get Jerry to ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> or Casey. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Casey seems to be able yeah. to want to work with you. Be able to wanting. Yes, uh, he is. Yeah, he's been amazing. Um, and I, I'm very grateful and I owe him. He's just given me some great jobs. The first job we did together was Minsky's in LA. Because mm-hmm. you have all my Broadway stuff, but then mm-hmm. I got a few other things I've done. But um, that was the first time. And I auditioned for him for Minsky's. Um, and that was Bob Martin too. So that was the first time I got to work with them. And it's just joy for me. It's, they're both just joyful, amazing, grateful humans, kind humans. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's no other way to be, and there's no other way to get to be creative and feel safe in those kind of rooms. Right. Um, talking about the producers, you were, you were in the original cast, which still holds the original cast still holds the most record, the record for yeah. most Tonys ever won at twelve, and you stayed in the show for six years. Yeah, which was I think the longest you stayed in any show. Yeah, I told you I didn't leave until they closed. <laughs> oh well, is that is that the only reason? I mean, is that the reason you left? I guess you had to because it closed. But um, were you looking for other jobs at the time, or were you just? You know, like, I this probably is great. no, I probably auditioned for things that maybe like little TV bit parts or things like that. I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to go and do, I'd rather stay in the city. I'd rather be in the city doing what I love. And Ula was, you know, a quintessential, stereotypical, showgirly part. Like, 
Um, so I do, I'd still be doing it probably if it was running, if my legs could do it. I don't know if I can fall down in them splits anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, I probably did audition for a few things, but there was nothing that was going to be better than that for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, unless I was to get a big spot on a TV series, you know what I mean? There was just nothing that I, so I auditioned probably. I just didn't get anything else or I, it, it, there was nothing better for me at that time. Do you, you know? feel that, that like for a lot of years you were kind of pigeonholed as, as the showgirl, as the dancer? Um, well, let's face it. I'm always going to be the second banana. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a park and barker, you know, I'm not Beth level. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'm always going to be sort of that secondary. And plus the way I look, it's always going to be a kind of a showgirl or type of character. Even in my thirties, I would go in for TV things that were like, was a Miss America, her looks are fading. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always sort of that, you know, she was a, you know, was a showgirl, was a Miss America, was a hooker or is a hooker. It was always sort of those parts. It's just, it is stereotypical, but it's also what I am, you know, that sort of broad body thing. But I, I, I get that. I understand it. And I don't know if I buy it because I ask you this question though. You have been given these roles and gone in for these roles for decades. Mm-hmm. And it, it what am I trying to say? That do you, do you feel that you have started to believe what people are trying to put you into, and so that's just what you think you are now? Because I've seen you in the prom, and I've seen you sing Zaz, and I've seen you rock the socks off of every time you're on stage, and you can hang next to all the other leading ladies, but you don't. You're, everything you're telling me here is nah, it's not me. But well, someone, I think it's just being realistic. I'm not being hard on myself. Trust me. Trust me, if you would have told that little toehead from Kentucky that that someone was going to write a role for you on Broadway, I would have never believed it. But so part of that is just, I think, being realistic and knowing knowing who you are. You, you know, it's like when I do, if I do talkbacks or workshops or anything, uh, like I've learned through the years from from friends and we've discussed it, you sort of need to know what you are. You need to know what your essence is. You need to know what my friend David Hibbard, who was in Something Rotten with me, he says, you need to know your colors. So I think you just need to know what that is. Um, Do I think I could do a dramatic scene if you handed it to me? Absolutely. Do I think I'm going to sing Evita? Absolutely not. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just, I, I know exactly what I am. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I know I can do altar boys. That's not my voice type. But in terms of... Yeah, so I, I feel like, uh, and, and you know, this was written for me. This was written, yeah. you know, and Matt knows my voice. And it is sort of a la Kendra and Ebb, Chicago-y, Roxy type, you know. Um, and that just happens to be what I am. Okay. And it's, and it's okay, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I regret one thing that I've done. I do have one regret in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I auditioned for baby June in gypsy, I was probably 10. I got it and I didn't do it because I went to dance camp instead. And my mom let me, which was, you know, Mm-hmm. She didn't make me do it. Who knows if I would have done that? It was, it was on this theater that was actually on the river called Showboat Majestic. And um, 
I got Baby June. I for, I sang. I sang. I forgot the lyrics to um, Raindrops on Roses and Whiskers <laughs> on Kittens. And then I said, can I start again? I sang. I had a little boy haircut. I had short hair. I was wear, I wore shorts and overalls. I didn't wear a dress. And I got it. <laughs> but I didn't do it. So I do regret that. Because who knows? A, maybe I would have started singing earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. made that a priority, which I think would be helpful because kids these days now, they come out, they're major, major, major threats, way beyond anything that I was then or am now. So it's it would have maybe given me a leg up. Two, Literally. I, two, I maybe would have hated it, you know, and maybe not done it. I don't know. But I do regret that. But I think it turned out okay. Oh, yeah. Like you're, you're not doing bad for yourself. No. I'm I'm just trying I'm trying to encourage I, you. I appreciate it and it and and the thought that the the fact that that you think that I very much appreciate. I'm very grounded in what I know I can do and I think that's part of part of it. Do you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. part of the not to be cliché but that's part of the zazz. That's part of what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, my shtick, if you will. Right. So the so the prom the Prom uh, just, of course, nominated for seven Tony Awards, including Best New Musical. So mm -hmm. congratulations for Thank that. Um, the The part was written for you. It's actually even named Angie because, as I understand it, they were writing the part. They were like, yeah, we need an Angie Shore type of person. And then at one point, I think it was Casey who said, why don't we just get Angie? Like That's the word on the street is that he said that. Yeah. Right. And, and we... Casey and I, I know I've said this several times, but Casey and I were on the set of Smash. He was directing an episode. And um, he literally, with his cute face, he was like, Bob Martin, Bob Martin and I are started writing this, this show. I'm not sure if Chad was a part of it then, but I do he said, you know, I don't know how that all came about. But he said, Bob Martin and I and Chad Beglin, I guess, mm -hmm. were are um are writing the show and we call the character Angie Schwar. We call her your name. We call her Angie Schwar with his cute face. And that was like seven years ago. So I don't know. And I think one of the one of the coolest things is, you know, you get the contract, you know, your equity contract, and it says the role and it has Angie written it. I mean, it's really kind of surreal. And mm -hmm. and then uh, we got this email early on before the first one-day table read, and it had everyone's characters and who they should sort of think about. And on mine, it said, Angie, think you. <laughs> And so I was like, that was pretty cool. I don't know where that email is, but I really wish I had a copy of it. It's in it's in your Hotmail account somewhere. Somewhere. Yahoo. MSN. Yeah. <laughs> seven years ago. I guess yeah, Gmail. No, I think I already G had the Gmail. G the Gmail. Gmail was around seven years ago. The Gmail. The Gmails. Um, so coming into, coming into the prom and, I mean, the four of you, uh, Brooks, Beth, Chris, and you have, have been in it from it, mm -hmm. from the inception, absolutely, which is incredibly rare uh, for for leads to still be with it, you know, making it all the way to Broadway. Like well, it's incredibly rare that you know we kind of made it happen. You, we made it happen that we were available because we really wanted to do it. But it's also rare that none of us, you know, of course, I go to myself. None of us got let go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. Being such a strong dancer, though, you've got, you know, decades of, of dancing and all this history. And then uh, working with Casey, Casey Nicola, who is 
very famously known now for being such an amazing director and an amazing choreographer. Mm-hmm. Is the experience with working with him different in a way of just working with somebody? Because like Casey's even, he's been in ensembles. He's been uh, as an actor on stage. And then like he, now he's speaking to the ensemble. He's speaking to dancers because he's been he, in a different language, I feel, because he's he's been one of them. I, I think there's definitely... Um definitely a, an understanding of what we go through and and the way he says things, you know, to kind of not hurt your feelings because I think there's been some, t- you know, inevitably there's some times <laughs> that you have been talked to in a certain way. Um, so I think maybe he understands that so he doesn't ever make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that mainly I I, I, I love that he's, he does. He doesn't bring his ego. You know, he's just so joyful, and fun, and collaborative, and I, I feel like that's what makes you feel safe in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that comes from living it. You know, being in an ensemble, or if that's just who he is, and you know, part of his the magic of of his direct directing and choreographing. It's it's yeah, it's just interesting to me how much uh, the character your character of An- Angie parallels your your you know real the real life Angie you know the character has been in in the production of Chicago for like over twenty years mm-hmm. but has never gotten to play a Roxy right? Hart and whatnot and then now you know you've been you've got this over twenty year career of your own and then for the first time now this is your first leading role and that I've created that you've created yeah yeah. yeah. And, I like I just I just want to know like at what point did you ever think about giving up? Did you ever think like oh I just I I this is like a goal I I don't think I'll ever meet. Well, if you think about it because we did know this was simmering 7 years ago, right? Yeah. You know, there was always sort of that hope and you always sort of had that little nugget at the end, right? obviously, unless they fired me before then, but you always sort of had this nugget, a little carrot, you know, sort of going like, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. So I think definitely it, there was a calmness about me these past few years that I was like, it's going to come. This time is going to come. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, had I not had that, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's just the way it's sort of panned out. I can't, I don't want to wish it any other way, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking about it now. I go, okay, so this happens and this is happening. And I wanted to tell, I want us to tell this story as long as we can. Um, and I'm hope, hopefully it'll be for a long time. Um, but yeah, I do. And also because, you know, your body, I feel like my body is breaking down. Like I always tease, it's like one tissue at a time, <laughs> you know, it's starting to, and it's, it's weird. It's just the past few years that it started getting a little harder for me to, to move and groove. But with all the crap that I have done to myself all these years, I'm holding up pretty steady, pretty good. Um, but yeah, I do. I worry. I do worry about it. And I, there are times when I'm like, maybe I need to figure out something else for the other last half of my life. <laughs> but I'm also one of those people that feel like everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen. Um, and as long as I sort of stay present and stay kind and, and you know, keep my work ethic up and the way I have and my determination, um, 
I feel like it'll pan out, you know? I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you about the last half, but <laughs> as far as years ago, I don't think I ever did. There was one time I probably had maybe the longest time I hadn't had a job. And I don't really know what that timeline is. I'm going to say maybe it was it was about maybe six months. And, and I mean that between like I didn't have a Broadway show mm -hmm. and I didn't have a regional show or something. And I went in to uh, interview for at an agency to be an agent. Um, and the woman said to me, um, of the six people I saw today, I interviewed today, I would choose you. And it was to be sort of, you start out as an assistant and blah, blah, blah. But I said to her, I don't know that if, you know, that back then you, you I don't know how many years ago this was. It was before the producers, so maybe 1999. Mm -hmm. um, right around the time Rocky Horror, probably. Um, you know, I don't know if something came across my desk that said, uh, over 5'8", alto, blonde, <laughs> that I wouldn't be like, oh, I really want to do it. You know, I want right. to go in for it. So I said that in the interview. And she said, of, of the six people, I would choose you, but call me in a year. To see if you still want to do it. Call me in a year. And then I got the producers, which we all know I stayed in that till, you know, till the end of time. Did you ever talk to that person that interviewed no, you? No, I know her name now. Her name was Margie. Um, and uh, I've not talked to her since, no. Because it's like little moments like that that put you exactly where you are right now. Yeah. I. You're right. Maybe I should reach out to her. I'm sure. I don't know if she's still there or not, but. Yeah, you reach out and say thank you for putting me thank in the Thank you, Margie. That's right. Um, so that so there, yeah, I did think about quitting, I guess, then, or just trying something else. Um, maybe now I should get a big boy job. I don't know. No. No, I think I think <laughs> Well, not now, but in, you know, in six years when the prom is still running. Listen, I'm telling you, you need to you need to look at this from a slightly better angle that you are you have opened up a new door for yourself with this role because you're now at a place where you can say I originated that leading role in a great show and I can do it again and again and again. And you have a moment where you do like a 180 split in the middle of the show. You don't have to do that the next time. Like yeah, I know. this could be the last time you do that. Well, let's put that out there. Okay. Let's secret all of that you just said. One other thing I was thinking about though, because you said, do you feel pigeonholed? If you if we look at regional things that I've done, Irene and Crazy for You, Roxy Hart in Chicago, obviously. Uh Tanya and Mama Mia. Uh Vicky Nichols and Full Monty. Mm -hmm. Um trying to think of what else. Z's favorite in Will Rogers, I did a couple times early, you know, years ago. They're all that same sort of got a little side talk, pizzazz, you know, mm -hmm. not well. Vicki Nichols wasn't a showgirl, although at North Carolina Theater, I danced in Life with Harold. Josh Rhodes had me dance, which NCT was really was my fun. first professional gig. What was N NCT? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I love working there. Yeah. Um, so they're all that same sort of similar thing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just what I, who I am. It's what I portray. Um, now we'll see, you know, I, I, five years from now, I could be some crazy old cute character actress that's, you know, 
doing some moving pitches. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity. Like I feel like women, older women, and and I'm not saying I'm not saying you're old. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am, but it's well, okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> like not you're fresh out of college, women. Uh, if you are successful and talented and have stuck with it to this point and have now opened up the, the, the opportunities that you've opened up for yourself, like there's a lot of roles that, that are sitting at your doorstep that you are now about to age into, which I think like, give, okay, name some that you're, that you're thinking in your head. Uh, what's your face from Wicked? Um, Mrs. Madame Morrible. Okay. Um, uh, Gypsy. Mama, mama. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, come on, you can do that. Like, I'm gonna start working on that now. I mean, just think of, think about um, think about the actresses that you look up to, and you're like, I could do all that. You should be saying. Yeah, I don't say that, but yeah, I, you know, and I'm sure it doesn't serve me. I'm sure that sort of mindset doesn't serve me. But um, yeah, it's funny that you say that because I think about all that. I think about all of this. But right at this moment, I'm we're enjoying, you know, telling this story, mm-hmm. and I mean, getting oh, people at the at the stage door just saying thank you for telling this story. And um, I had a kid that told me that he was, you know, he he gets bullied at school, and like so, this is helping him T- to have all of that. And it's not just hey, we're putting on a show. I'm kicking my legs and blah blah blah. It's telling a story. I mean, we are doing that. But it's telling a great story that's helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like just by amplifying these issues in our show, you know, we're talking how much I, you can't, don't realize what an impact that has. And so it's sort of a game changer for just getting to be in a Broadway show. It's like this is bigger than us now. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm just kind of sitting in it. And like I always say, at the Long Acre, we're sort of simmering with this positive, grateful, joyful energy. And I think that's serving us. And that's what's going to keep this story going. So I do always worry. But for right now, I'm sort of trying to just, you know, as I always like to say, fly under the radar, Mm -hmm. meaning keeping my body intact, keeping the vocals intact, showing up, being present, doing my job, and making people um, feel better. Feel, period. Yeah, yeah feel and yeah. feel better. Because the show, like the four of you, are, you're, you're, you're the comic relief. Like you're the four of you together, friends outside of the show, but like in the show, you guys are brilliant. And then you've got Caitlin and Izzy who are who are the love of the show. Yes. And carrying this message across that is bringing representation to the stage that is desperately needed right now. Absolutely. And yeah, and you've got, you've got, just feedback I hear from everybody in the prom, the feedback that you get over and over again every time, like you're saying that yeah. somebody's saying they're bullied or um, Josh Lehman said that uh, someone told him that he's bi and it's the first time this guy has ever uttered the words that he's bisexual. And right. so like it just feels good. It's so, there's so many. And I raised two teenagers um, uh, from 10 and 12 to now 23 and 25. Two, my two-step teenager teenagers. And um, I know that that age, how horrible and and sort of awkward and scared you can feel. And I feel like this show makes all of those children and our youth 
um, feel like there's a safe place that they can be themselves and be mm-hmm. who they want to be. And I feel like that is just, that's a, a, a huge, a huge um, thing to sort of relay to, to kids. And I feel like that's what makes it, it's so great. And our, I feel like Izzy and Caitlin, you know, I, I obviously do Zazz with Caitlin and she looks at me with this face that you feel like you just as a scared teenager and, and the youth and all of those things that are going on, you know, she's so great at portraying that. Um, but I feel like, yeah, we're just, um, we're doing something pretty great here that is changing lives, I think, like our song says. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, been parents, right, who have said, like, I'm that parent. I'm mm-hmm. the one who didn't realize how. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. It, someone in Atlanta when we were down in Atlanta said that. Um, so in the, in this, at the stage door, we have just as many young people as old, as middle-aged like us. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I love, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's something for everyone and somewhat it's, there's something for everyone and they see somebody up there that is a replica of who they are, or how they are feeling. So, you know, it's, it's, Helping everyone, I think. Yeah. Right? From the youth to the old to the middle ages. Well, it just helps everyone. I mean, musicals in general and the theater takes people to a different place, you know, if only temporary, temporarily, and takes them out of whatever problems they're having or whatever anxiety they're feeling, whatever the case is. That's where you be. go, right? That's what, yeah, you go to experience something that you wouldn't otherwise experience. And when you are taken on this journey that the prom takes you, takes you on, Never end a sentence in a preposition. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so heartwarming. Like I walked out of the show just feeling like a like I've learned yeah, something. Yeah, I feel Even, like they walk out of. I, I think our audience sort of walks out like floating. It's yeah, like floating yeah, yeah. on air. It just makes you feel good. And I know that sounds so cliche. It really does. It's sort of like just feel good. But I'm sorry. I I'm a hundred years old, and I do that. The, the, my senior hip hop, you know, the finale, I could do it six more times. It's just so <laughs> joyful and fun to do. And you're seeing these words build a prom for everyone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it really is just sort of, uh, you, you float out, you float off. Yeah. Is that in act two, you, you mentioned Zazz a couple of times. The number is called Zazz. Uh, that is a hell of a dance number. And you do that eight times a week. Yeah, do you, do you well, do- my sweet Casey Nicola did, he made it well enough that he knew I could do it eight shows a week. It's just, it's just enough for me. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, I'm in like five inch heels. Yeah. Tipping it down. So you're like six, it, three on stage. A lot of vertical with gestures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what I love to do. That's just, you know, it's oozy and fun. And, you know, I do have to do some bot moss, some kicks, some pancakes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's very a la all that jazz or mm-hmm. Chicago, right? Keeping the character, yeah. See how they go. See how they see what they did there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just enough for me. <laughs> do you do you uh, do you look forward to it, or is it something like that you have to get over and? and no, it, I look forward. I look forward to it because it's it's my only it's my moment. It's my only real moment. So it's like. Once again, is just fine for me. I, um, I do warm up the entire intermission, though, just to do that number. Now, really? back in the day, 
When I was doing ULA, I could just plop down in a split like two seconds and that was my warm-up. Now there's a lot more movement involved just to make sure that you're not going to, you know, when I do one of those pelvic one of those pelvic things, I'm not going to like be out. <laughs> you know, oh, my back. Oh. Or when I do one of my arm things, you know. So I just, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to it. But, you know, it's just part of, it's just another day in the office. Well, you have a pretty cool office. Thanks, from, uh, We from think so, opinion. too. So you did uh, Sablon Order, and you are also on Queer Eye, and as the world turns. Queer, Queer Eye, I, I taught, um, I taught somebody how to dance for their wedding. It was the orig- the old one. Were you... I was Ula at the time, and so they had me come in and I taught someone how to dance who was going to be getting married. Oh. And then as the world turns, I was casino hostess. There you go. I had a few lines, and I tipped through the casino in a tight dress. Same character. Same character. She was probably losing her looks too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, so the only... F- Right, correct me if I'm wrong. The only film credit I found was the producers. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, there was also Smash. Is Smash on there? Yeah, but that's not film. Yeah, no that's, TV. Though. That's the telly. That's yeah. the telly. Yeah. Which the is only what you moving said, picture. You, that's where you met Casey. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not where I met him. We we knew of each other. Yeah. He when he was in Crazy for You in the ensemble, I was not. When he left, I was in. I came into Crazy for You, so we were right. two ships that passed in the night. Right. But I we knew of each other. Yeah. Um, the only f- moving picture. I did was the producers was was Stro. <laughs> you, you talk like you're 200 years old. The only moving picture I've well, ever see? done. Speakeasy, see? Speakeasy, get off my lawn. Uh, I okay. like moving pictures. I like the moving pictures too, especially with CGI. Are you a Marvel movie fan? Marvel mm-hmm. comics? No. No? No, not yet. Have you watched any of them? No. Oh my goodness. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. Oh no. <laughs> now you're going to take back all those bad things, all those really nice things you said about me? Oh, no, they're still true. But now it you have to matter. go back. I still haven't seen the latest Avengers movie, but oh, okay. don't, don't sue me. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap this up here with three standard questions that I ask everybody to end the podcast. Oh, I hate these. They make me nervous. Number one, what's a toe head? Just kidding. Number one, what motivates you? Joy. Just one word? Joy. F- oh, oh yeah. joy. Um, Passion, being better, uh, 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 wanting, wanting more—all of that motivates me. Not, not a good answer. No, I. Oh God, I'm so trying to analyze your personality right now because that still plays into the whole like I'm good enough, I'm good enough, but yet you still strive for more. If you're saying that's what motivates you, what doesn't it? What. What if I what if I just thought I was just good enough and I just didn't try anymore? I think that'd be sad. Right. So what motivates me is wanting to be better. So are you mad at me because you think I'm good enough? <laughs> no, I'm I'm I am not mad. I am disappointed that I feel like you you have way more talent than you think. You feel you like I'm being self-deprecating. Yes. Well, it's kind of part of my shtick, but it's also like I said, realistic to me. Um, so, but I think what motivates me is just um, is is life and passion and 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 wanting more, wanting to be better. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Next question is: What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? 
Say yes to everything that comes your way. Stop worrying so much about the future. Be in it, in the moment, where you are right now, and don't think that you need to be any further. Just be in it because it's going to lead you to exactly where you are supposed to be. And last question, if you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what show would you see? Build a prom for everyone. The prom. Have you seen your own show? No. So you would want to see it, but you need to, this is what actually what Chris said too. Chris Sieber. What'd he say? Prom. Yeah. But he, he's like, what? It would be impossible because he wants to see the four of you in it. So by watching himself, he wouldn't be in it. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, well, I definitely have to say that. The prom. Okay. I think it's, you know, because of so many things we've already talked about, but it's the joy and sort of silliness. That is That, to me, is inspiring, and I want to walk out of the theater floating. You know? All right. So we can find you online on Instagram, at Angie Schwer. Uh, yeah, I'm so social media. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be cool kid, like one of the cool kids. How, how long have you been on Instagram? Maybe two years. Hey, that's, gosh, that's not too bad. Maybe I'm, only two years. I've never done Facebook. Never? No. I'm just on Instagram. That okay. was my big, it's my big to-do. Your big thing? And you can get more of the theater podcast, thetheaterpodcast.com. But please uh, go there and support us as much as you can. Thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. You can get me online at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I am on Facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Listen and subscribe. If you're listening now, please make sure you subscribe. Leave a rating. This is produced by Julian Hockman. Thanks to Jukebox the Ghost for the lovely intro and outro music and Angie Thank you so much for being here. This Thank has been fun. you so much for all the very nice things that you said. <laughs> I'm going to cherish them forever. Well, lucky for you, we're recording this. So you can play it back. Oh my God, I can play it. Over and over and when over. When I'm feeling down. Yes. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Thank you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.